Oh, hey guys. Uh, welcome to the Big Blue United Podcast. My name's TJ. I'm here with my buddies, Dan and Colin, as always, except not for a long time. What's up, guys? How you been? Been okay. It's, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a long one, to say, this, say the least. Yeah, a roller coaster of emotions as a Giants fan between the end of the season and now. Um, and we're still riding that roller coaster, I think. Yeah, so uh, we, we're going to do a little bit. Of this is going to be the first of a couple pods we're going to do during the offseason. Obviously, you know, free agency is still going on, but it's kind of mostly been wrapped up, or at least I feel like the Giants, or we feel like the Giants have made all the big moves they're going to make. And, you know, I have to say that I think the three of us were all kind of pleasantly surprised for the most part on uh, the bringing in of, you know, a lot of big names and Kenny Galladay, Dory Jackson, Kyle Rudolph, John Ross, Reggie Raglan, um, the guy from the Vikings who I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm saying anyway, Odenigbo. Did I say that right? I think that's right. Devontae Booker. And then uh, obviously we had a couple notable losses. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson's gone, which uh, I know hurts all of our hearts. Uh, Zeitler's gone, but, you know, that, that cap hit was, was a little much. And then Devontae Downs is gone too. Um, so, you know, there's definitely a lot of notable signings and, um, you know, I guess we, let's just talk about a little bit about what we liked and then what we didn't like. So, I mean, if I, if we're going to go right into it, I, obviously the thing you got to mention first is, uh, Kenny Galladay. So the Giants finally bringing in, you know, a number one receiver for Daniel Jones. Um, I think this is the best signing they had in free agency. Um, he's a big bodied receiver, can make those contested grabs. And over the last three years, two years, he's the be- second best receiver catching over the middle of the field after Ge- DeAndre Hopkins, which is going to be nice uh, for this team who kind of lacks uh, that a tight end who's able to really hold on to the ball over the middle. <laughs> that's not that's only the first of my Evan Ingram digs, by the way. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, we saw he had a little bit injury trouble last year, but 27 years old, um, 2,000 yard seasons, 16 TDs over his last two healthy years. So, I mean, in the red zone, I think that's going to be huge. He had 11 touchdowns in, in 2018. So that, that's a really nice addition to this team. And I know the contract's big. So, what, $18 million per year, which puts him on par with maybe like the sixth or seventh best paid wide receiver in the league. I don't think he's the sixth or seventh best wide receiver in the league, but that's the going rate right now. And if it helps Daniel Jones develop, I'm all for it. Um, the Giants desperately needed someone with his skill set. Uh, to develop an offense that was ranked 31st all year last year. And, you know, hopefully his presence, in addition to helping out Jones, will create more opportunities for everybody um, on offense. And honestly, if you look at the Giants' skill position players right now, it's a, it's a good group. It's the best group I've seen in a long time. So, you know, um, I'm hoping Galladay can help everybody, and maybe he can, like, teach Evan Ingram how to catch the ball, too. You never know. We'll see. You know. <laughs> but uh, – <laughs> But yeah, I mean, hopefully he's he's good after that hip injury, and you know he can stay healthy this year. And and I think this is a huge signing, and and I'm really happy that he's on the squad. And I'm glad that you know the Giants are buying into Judge's system and and uh, sharing that with the guys that they want to bring in. And there's a lot of recruiting amongst the players this year, so that's super cool. And and I think every every Giants fan is pretty thrilled about this. Um, what other guys did we sign that you know you you guys are think is a, is a great pick beyond him? Uh, Colin, who do you think? Well, speaking of guys who can teach Evan Ingram to catch, I'm thinking about someone who's going to be joining him in the meeting room in Kyle Rudolph. And that that was a little bit of a risky pick because, you know, he's, he's an older guy. I mean, older at 31, but he's had a lot of injury issues with the concussions and what have you. But he's a solid tight end from Notre Dame, and I loved him coming out. I wish the Giants drafted when, when he came out. 
I think he is going to bring some blocking to that room, too, because Evan Ingram doesn't really know that that's something that you do in the game of football. So. <laughs> Uh, I love I that think, Evan Ingram hate is so strong right uh, well, now. Well, it, hey, it's going to continue until the guy turns it around. I don't want to see six more interceptions land in some some hands that started off of a shoulder or a hand of his. Like, I, I, I'm i over that. But anyway, uh, I think Rudolph, um, the blocking that he's going to bring to the team in the run game is going to be tremendous, especially with Saquon being back and hopefully healthy. I think that'll pay dividends, especially in um, uh, two tight end sets that uh, – uh, I hope we end up seeing more of. Uh, but what were we talking about the other day, Dan? We have five tight ends on the roster currently. Yes, yes. So I, I propose that we do five tight and <laughs> just just disregard five wide sets and just just pass out of it. Don't even run out of it. Make people think we're going to run out of it, but just pass out of it. Anyway, Ru- Rudolph was a good pickup. I mean, I know for one of the best reasons only, he's probably a very good locker room guy, good culture guy, and I know Dan really appreciates those kinds of players. Yeah, those traditionally pan out for us. Yeah, He does seem like a giant, you know. He's he a big guy. He have that kind of working man sort of thing about him. Like a, a Kevin Boss kind of a Ballard kind of a big goofy white guy tight end. Something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love that signing too. Uh, Dan, Dan, who who do you like? Um, I'm I'm really into this uh, Adoree Jackson pick uh, pick mm-hmm. up here. Um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but as we've seen, uh, all the players sort of rather r- rallying around and, and taking guys out and, and winding them dining on the city. I don't know if you saw, but Jabril Peppers took Adoree out in Hoboken, my town. And what the news coverage didn't show you is. Uh, Dory stopped by the house. He, he uh, watched me clean my son's diaper, and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I put up a shelf in the laundry room. He helped out with that. I tried to show him the community that we have here. So I, I really think uh, the greasing of the palms that happened in, in my crappy apartment really brought Dory Jackson over. I thought it was Logan that took him out. Was it both? Both. Apparently, Jabril took him out in Hoboken. Oh, nice. Jabril, Jabril took that picture, I think. Well, no, I think that was with Logan Ryan somewhere else. Either oh, way. The one at the okay. restaurant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither here nor there. Um, no, I, I love the pick. I think he's really going to be able to shut down Evan Ingram in practice and maybe get him kicked <laughs> off the team. Um, but I do remember a lot about Adoree coming out of college. I loved his draft profile. Um, super fast. Um, great ball skills. Uh, he's actually really great against the run and a, and a consistent tackler. Um, he sort of got you know, in the mix there with um, all the all the cornerbacks that were drafted in 2017. In that draft, Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Tredavious White, Shaquille Griffin, um, and Dory Jackson was the 18th pick in that draft. Um, so a lot of cornerback talent. And uh, he missed last season, but prior to that, he was, uh, you know, a top-rated elite coverage cornerback. He Apparently, according to PFF, he, he ranked just behind uh, J.R. Alexander and Richard Sherman and, St- and Stephen Gilmore. Um, when he's lined up outside. Um, so that's great coverage quality, you know, pairing him um, with, uh, you know, the secondary that we're, that we're building up here. You know, it, there's really no reason why we can't have, a, you know, sort of an elite secondary and, and shore up the weakness in the, in the defense. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a great pickup. I, I, I am shocked that they fit him in to <laughs> the salary cap. You know, my theory is, uh, how this whole sort of free agency went down is uh, we were at a fever pitch before we signed uh, um, <laughs> our, our, our main man, Leonard Williams. But I think after 
that signing happened, Gettleman was like, let me just let me just get Leonard Williams on the team, and then you guys can do whatever you want. And he just sort of <laughs> relinquished it, and they they then they created the creative contracts and, and they cleared the cap space. Um, but but signing you know a, a young corner to a um, to the deal they did, you know, worth forty four million, um, thirteen million signing bonus, um, sixteen million in the first year. You know, that's pretty good in, for what cornerbacks get uh, in this league in this day and age. So, you know, hats off to the guys that overrode whatever Dave Gettleman was trying to put on as far as not, you know, creating creative contracts and having flat contracts because that's the only way to do business. Hold on a second. Do you, do you even recall? I was just thinking about this. Have you recalled ever a time in our history as fans of this team where there was such active recruiting done by actual players on the team? I don't remember this ever no. happening. I mean, it's definitely not something that's been reported on if it was happening. I, th- I, th- and I think it has a lot to do with judging the culture, and I think the guys are buying into it, and I think they want, you know, they, you know, want to be successful, and and they realize that the same thing we were talking about all last year is that the talent was deficient, but now you're putting a huge hole uh, filled with a number one wide receiver and a huge hole filled with a number two cornerback, which is the m- most glaring like need on that defense. Um, and, and I mean, maybe edge rusher you want you want to say that after Carter went down, but. You know, Yadam was getting killed all year, or whoever else they had rotating into that spot. It's a great signing, and it's a good contract. I, I think I think you're right. I think it does reflect um, the players buying into Joe Judge and, and Patrick Graham on the defense. Uh, I think around the league they must have saw what Graham did with sort of a, a mediocre talent pool last year, and, and imagine what they can create now with some some real skill players at all, at all three levels. So. I can have to guarantee that like someone had to t- tell Graham at some point, hey, don't go for another job. Stick around. We'll actually spend some money for you this this offseason, you know, yeah. which I mean, it's incredible. And I, I think it goes into the sh- uh, to show that like, yeah, after the Leonard Williams situation, I think Judge took over and was just like, all right, now I'm going to do a couple of couple of things here yeah. and there after your vanity project. DJ. You know what? Well, you know what though. I will say this is that uh, the Williams contract is only 11 million cap hit this year, and then that you know more than doubles. But there, there is a little bit of creativity for this season. But the implications later on are a little more difficult. But we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, Dan, let's let's move on. What was the most irrelevant or worst signing, of, in your opinion, by by the guys this off season? Yeah, for, for for loyal listeners of the pod, this shouldn't be a surprise. As running backs don't matter, signing Devontae Booker to any sort of contract over the veteran minimum was a travesty. Um, there is no market for him. I don't care what anyone says or what Gettleman says or that you know people are looking into him because, I don't know, he was never good and never will be good because he has you know is a good p- pass blocker, supposedly. Um you know they could have waited weeks, months, and signed him for the veteran minimum. There's no competition for him, and if there, even if there was, they could have signed anybody off the scrap heap. Uh, what's his name? Boone from the Vikings just signed uh, uh, in in Denver uh, for I think a deal much less than than um, Devontae Booker, and and I think he'll be a much more dynamic running back. You could pick up a running back in the seventh round, and you get the same value or better. The point is, is paying. What was it? What's his contract? It's uh, three million, which three million, should be like two million, twice as much as or something. What someone in his position yeah. should be getting paid. Yeah. Point is, is it doesn't matter and shows lack of understanding of positional value. Um, so when that happened early on in free agency, it really had me spiraling out. Well, um, what what about the ball man though? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. that's huge too. I, I'm what gonna miss Wayne, man. man. Wayne hasn't signed anywhere either, has he? No, they'd probably get him for cheaper. 
No, he's gonna go hang out with Orleans Darkwa somewhere and not get another deal somehow. <laughs> I hope he get, I hope he gets a deal on some team, but he might have to wait until training camp or something. We'll see. But I, I'm a, we're always rooting for Wayne, and I wish he was back. And I'm sure you could have paid him the same amount of money he would have come back to, or less. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. I mean, if I'm gonna look at the worst signing, I'm definitely gonna go Leonard Williams, and it's not because I I don't want Leonard Williams to be on the team, but. Basically, the contract he signed, coupled with kind of the whole saga of him coming to the Giants, is leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I think if you're paying attention, you should feel the same way. So if we just want to sum this up real quick, right? So Leonard Williams was basically a bust on the Jets. He was the sixth overall pick in 2015. He had made one pro ball, but never really paid up to his potential, right? And he was going to be a free agent after the 2019 season anyway. So Gettleman decides, of course, to trade for him for third and a fifth. Franchise him the next year and then now sign him to this massive deal. When in reality, he would have become a free agent after that season and he could have been signed for pennies on the dollar of what he's making now. Whether or not the production would have been there or not in the contract year, that remains to be seen and we won't know. But we might see next year that he will have a steep drop off because he did get paid. I don't know if he's that kind of guy or not, but it seems to be that his biggest year was in his contract year. Whether or not that's a Patrick Graham system thing, or he just, you know, decided to turn it on that remain, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think Gettleman just is, is so unsavvy in his dealing with this and just kept doubling down on his mistakes. The team wasn't even competing that year when he traded away. Like what was the point of that to just trade draft capital for a guy you could have signed in the off season? it's it's insane so now we, what, what no 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 i, I was just going to say and, and the worst part is is he played so well last year that he thinks he's he's going to be all high and mighty because oh i i, I snagged him i i knew it i knew things that nobody else did and that's why yeah, but i did it it's it's like i said it's great that he's on the team but the the way this has gone down is just insane and and has eaten it's going to eat up like i said before 11 million of the cap this year next year that goes up to 26.5 million dollar cap at the year after 25.5 million dollar cap it this is a three-year deal so the giants are essentially locked into this deal no matter what they cannot they cannot cut him because there would be no the, the, the draft hit i'm sorry the, the cap hit would be insane so you've locked yourself in if he doesn't produce there's nothing you're going to do about it, it unless you can find a trade partner which is highly doubtful i mean no, we're going to because he's not worth it it's not so i mean if basically if williams regresses it's going to really impact the Giants moving forward into the future and and how they're going to be squeezed by the cap, which they already were this year. Um, so, I mean, you know, on the bright side, I you can hope that he improves and that Graham keeps using him the right way um, and, and the contract is justified. It, at the end of the day, it's the most one of the most unsavvy moves uh, a GM could possibly make in, in a professional league like the NFL. And... <laughs> ugh. It's, it's, it's brutal. Let's just hope that he plays well. Well, I was just about to say, it, it can all work itself out if he ends up being one of these go-down-in-history defensive tackles, which <laughs> yeah. is, is doubtful, obviously. It'll uh, all work out if he becomes one of the greatest ever. So, Well, I mean, I, I would like to eat our words then, you know? Please. That'd be super I hope cool. I'm wrong. I yeah. hope I'm wrong. Although, I think there was one, there was one signing that uh, overshadows all, all of them. What's that called? Well, I, I, I've seen a lot of backup quarterbacks drink milk in my life. And uh, the one that we signed, I don't know if you've ever seen drink a, a nice tall glass of milk before. Or <laughs> seen a, 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 a prayer circle put together in a way that this guy has attempted to. Mike Lennon, what a, what a disgraceful pick. And, I, and you know why? That was a spit in the face of 
our Lord and Savior, Colt McCoy. Daniel Colt McCoy. Oh my God! And I bet I bet he his milk is pasteurized and homogenized. No, no, he's an almond milk guy. No, I'm not to, I'm not hating oh, on it because boy. I'm an almond milk guy too. But like, I don't want my quarterbacks drinking almond milk personally. No, no, no. Straight from the teat, man. I mean, you need to be at. You don't even know where he stands. What does he believe in? Does he believe in a, in a nice tight circle, or is he more of like, hey guys, I, I'm you know, thinking about doing a prayer circle, or is he going to have everyone hand in hand, head bowed at the end of the game, you know, unified in in, in, a, in a common message? It, we don't if, know. If we, we see know he's got him, a long neck. Well, I was no, just so. about to say. I was just <laughs> maybe he'd kink it if he when he bows down for this prayer circle. Maybe he can't even bend it over that much. Maybe he's great at a prayer circle. What? Do, I, I want to know if he if he's brave enough to stick his neck at, neck out for this team. That's what that's really what I want to know more than anything else. And if if he has a press conference early on in in uh, training camp and he says, "Listen, I know the pressing issues here, and I know everyone's just burning inside about this, but I, I want to let you know that I took uh, a lot of time out. I got on the phone with Colt. Uh, I studied his past uh, methods and." Um, I think I'm going to be able to put some circles together and, and, and pass out the milk like it needs to be done this year. So uh, besides that, though, I actually do like him as a backup because he's got a stronger arm than Colt. And I hate, I know that's sacrilege, but I think there needed to be a little bit of a, a, a balancing out of the kind of quarterback you have backing, you know, Daniel. Up. Yeah, you don't have to change the maybe don't have to change the playbook and as much. Exactly, sure. and you know Glenn's not awful. I mean, he's he's not he's proven himself not to be a starter in this league. But I think he's. <laughs> uh, why you laugh at that? I mean, Colt's not a starter in this league, but I mean, but he's a leader. He is a leader. I mean, obviously this is mostly joking around, but yeah, I mean it's it's fine. It's a backup quarterback. Yeah, no, yeah. I know, I know. I, 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 it's fine. Yeah, I was actually I, I was okay with seeing it, but. You know. you know what? It's uh, it's it's better than Chris Sims' ghost or something. I don't know. <laughs> I've heard. Speaking of which, that Eli tweet that I sent you guys. It's funny. Day. Oh, yeah. he's like, do you remember when Chris Sims played football? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I they I don't did he, did he say something bad about his mother? Like, why would you come out and say something like that? That's just probably so just harsh. Uh, messing with him. I don't know. Enjoyable though. I love Eli's Twitter. It's actually real good. Real good yeah. follow. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, you know, after this, uh, I, we all had our ideas about the draft and we'll definitely do another pod where we go real into the draft because I know it's one of my favorite pastimes uh, while the game, while the, you know, the season's not on. So studying the draft and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Colin, like who would who do you think the Giants should go for at 11? Well, it's been a couple of months since we've talked about such things, and I'm going to stick with the guy I, I last talked about in, uh, in the draft or what we're having a choice for is uh, Quiddy Pay. Uh, from Michigan, and the reason I I would choose him over uh, Russo, uh, Gregory Russo from Miami, is, and I think we touched on this as well, is the lack of consistency or body of work for Russo to really instill confidence in me that he could uh, be that guy. Pay has been doing it for a couple of more years uh, at a higher level, and uh, I think the physicality and the talent is there as well as the the football IQ, if you will, and uh, I, I we just need a, a really decent edge rusher. That's the one thing missing from this really strong defense. And uh, the guy from the Vikings is a, he's a good backup, but he's a a rotational guy rather. And with Fackrell gone, uh, he steps in to that role pretty well, especially with the the ten sacks over the last two years. So I think someone who can rush the passer at eleven would be ideal. Uh, I. I you know, a kind of a throwback pick for us, if you will. Um, hopefully we, we end up 
getting someone decent out of it. So, yeah, I'm going with him. I mean, I would totally be fine with that, but I kind of would like to see the Giants go offensive line. And I think Rashawn Slater is the second best tackle and has potential to be there at 11. I know Sine is probably the top guy. He's going to be long gone before the Giants are picking. But the thing I like about Slater a little more than I like about um, Panay is that Slater is very versatile and he can kind of play any position on the line. He played right tackle in college and then moved over to the left his last season or first two years he played right tackle. But he said that he's willing to contribute as a guard or a center in anywhere along the line. He's 6'4", 310, so maybe a little small, but um, only gave up five pressures on 355 snaps his last season in Northwestern. And I think, you know, with Zeitler gone, um, one of the worst units, position groups on the team, you know, is, is worse on paper now than it was before, which is rough for Daniel Jones especially. And I know Solder is coming back uh, on a much more favorable contract. I think it's $3 million instead of $10 million, right, which is a another, you know, good move, and I'm, I'm happy Solder was willing to do it. Um, I don't know what to expect from him this year. Um, after opting out last year, he hasn't played. He's going to be rusty. I don't know what position he's going to play on the line. It's right. probably not going to be left tackle, right tackle. Um I still think drafting a guy like Slater, um, maybe he doesn't start at tackle in the beginning, but he maybe he plays an interior line spot and then can move, you know, to either side depending on where uh, Thomas and Solder end up. Um, I think it's going to make a big impact on the line and an upgrade for Daniel Jones and help us continue development. And I, I, I think you know with all these great with with what looks like a great skill position group with you know the Galladay signing. Jones is going to have every chance to show us that he belongs in New York. And I know we said a lot of times last year it was hard to, you know, really evaluate him because he wasn't getting that protection or he didn't really have, you know, reliable weapons. With an offensive lining sign, uh, I'm sorry, with drafting an offensive line player, I think that Jones is going to have to, you know, put up and we're going to be able to really evaluate him and see what the future of this team. So that's what I'm hoping. Dan, what are you thinking? I think this draft is, is pretty interesting for a number of reasons, uh, two of which are the one that applies to all teams is there's a lot less information to go off of when you're making these picks um, compared to other years due to the truncated college season um, and you know the lack of combine and everything. So I feel like there's a lot more up in the air. And the other factor is um, there's a good chance that, that five quarterbacks are going to go in the top ten. Um, all this to say is that you know there's going to be top – players at each position group available potentially for the Giants at 11. Um, and considering we filled a lot of the holes, you know, it might make sense to go best player available if that's a corner, if that's an edge rusher, if that's an offensive lineman. Uh, but again, I still think the Giants are too shallow and don't have enough players spread out. And so I'm still going to hang on to the dream, which will never happen, of trading down. I think they might be able to get a good deal from a team that's, you know, more competitive right now to, to hop up to 11 maybe a team that's picking in the 20s or something to hop up 10 spots. We can drop back to the, the early 20s and then grab a, another second round or third round pick um, and build, you know, particularly the offensive line. There's still good offensive linemen. This guy, Vera Trucker, Tucker out of uh, USC is similar um, to your boy out of, out of Northwestern that, and that he can play every position on the line, is really strong and, and regarded as a solid player. There are other edge rushers um, and, and, you know, you know, potential skill position players at a corner or a wide receiver that I would be open to taking later on in the draft. Um, and just getting draft capital. When there's so many unknowns in the draft, I think the more picks you have, the better. And we don't have a ton of picks this year. So if there's an opportunity to trade back, get more picks, and build up areas of need and, and create some depth, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
Um, as we all know, Gettleman's never traded down. So, But it seems like a little philosophy might be changing in New York with uh, some of the better moves this offseason. I mean, we'll find out. <laughs> so that being said, uh, the draft is April 29th. Um, so I'm guessing we'll probably do the pod on the, 20, the week of that week on the 26th. We'll have it out on the 27th. A little draft preview, and then we'll do another recap of the draft after that. Uh, do you guys we'll think? Uh, you guys think Torm could maybe hook up Gettleman some food poisoning that makes him unavailable for the draft, <laughs> and he can't get to his, his Zoom call, and we can get a, a trade back? <laughs> Wait, dude, uh, Torm still has a job with him? I, I, I didn't hear the latest. Yeah, Torm came back. Oh, okay, okay. Gettleman, Gettleman asked his new chef for uh, for vegan, vegetarian food, and uh, he actually got it, and he was upset, so he fired him and said, I want my guy Torm. He knows how to make you know, vegetarian food better. And it's whiter. It's a whiter food. It's whiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to find someone who's willing to live in the trailer on the front lawn. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Th- thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back, like I said, in a couple weeks, and uh, thanks, thanks again. You know, have a good night. There you guys.